Right. Hello, humans. Welcome to Tending Trauma with me, your host, Thomas Weber. Today, we are joined by Rebecca Weber. Welcome, Rebecca. Hello. Hi. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Um, so again, my name is Rebecca. Um, I'm Thomas's wife, and um, I am qualified to be on this show um, because I have um, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And I have a podcast called Exposing Isolation, where I talk about um, living with my traumatic stress and doing what I can to recover from it. Um, and also just like documenting some of the complicated uh, symptoms related to long-term stress and what it can do to the body um, when it goes untreated for so long. So that sounds really optimistic and happy. Uh, it's not always very optimistic and happy. Um, but it does give me some insight that I hope to offer to your audience. Thank you. Yeah, I know you're, you're, you've been running your podcast for many episodes now, and um, you've even been able to record some episodes where you were able to capture some of those traumatic states, which is very bold and um, <laughs> Thanks. Very, very helpful of you to share. Yeah, I, I've just... Um, I've never really had a problem uh, being vulnerable and talking about my story um, and talking about the struggles that I'm going through. At least um, I have struggled with knowing what's going on and being able to explain myself um, effectively. But um, as early as like 2012, when I started my first organization, Middle Women, Mm. uh, it was really based on me being extremely vulnerable Um, about my own eating disorder and my own anxiety and depression um, and really just talking a lot about body image and mental health and opening up a conversation with other people about their struggles and trying to figure out um, how to create a world where it was okay to talk about what was wrong and seek help. And uh, I'm really proud of the work that I did there. But even though I did that work, I it would be years after that for me to even find out that I had CPTSD or PTSD at all. And then to learn what CPTSD is Um, even longer for me to um, create boundaries around people that I needed to. And throughout the process of um, doing those really difficult things, I always felt that it was important um, to try and document some of it. Not that it's been witnessed, but just so that I don't know. So I could stay accountable to the significance of what it was that I was doing so that I wouldn't take it lightly because I was doing really um, potentially very dangerous things, um, both based on my own uh, beliefs um, on how dangerous something could be, but also just knowing that other people are in somewhat similar situations to what I've been in, um, but even more, um, or I guess even less free to act. So just really trying to take it seriously that um, there's a lot of uh, trauma-inducing experiences going on in the world right now and just not wanting to take my privilege for even being able to get out of it as much as I have been able to. I'm just wanting to be an advocate in that way, I guess. Hmm. So you've been, it sounds like you've been working on um, helping other people process through their traumas even before you even knew how traumatized you were. That's definitely true. Um, I think a big part of what I'm learning about my own condition is that I was taught to uh, serve others as a means of one day potentially being able to get my needs met. Um, And what I'm learning from you 
Um, <laughs> and also my own research is that because from such a young age, I didn't have healthy attachment and I didn't ever feel safe and I still rarely ever feel safe. And this week, you know, we've been really making huge progress with me into um, feeling safe for the first time. Um, and in the process, I'm experiencing um, disassociative shutdowns. Um, I'm actually like freezing wow. because trusting somebody is so terrifying. Um, so all of these like pro all of these uh, physiological processes um, are just super fascinating, um, and we're witnessing them live. Yeah, yeah, that's that's been it. Must be really hard for you to be going through all that right now. Well, it is, but I've already been through so many difficult things. And I think a lot of other survivors, um, maybe not all, but many other survivors, like once um, they've gotten over or through some of the more difficult spots, like I, you know, I'm almost two years out from um, putting boundaries up around um, some of the sources of my anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and so now I've like, I've, there's been some space and I have, you know, your support and some good friends and stuff. And um, I've been in therapy for over a year. So it is hard. Um, some of these things are really challenging, but I, I'm in good hands. So it's yeah, just kind I mean, of a process. It's been, it's been very fascinating working with you that like you're, you know, it seems like there's layers to this, right? That, that you know, even being able to um, dis dissociate is a new layer in being able to trust for you. Mm hmm. That's definitely true. Um, there's a, you know, you and I are learning about like the three types of like the nervous system to mm -hmm. the, um, theory, yeah. the, yeah, the polyvagal theory. And, but there's a fourth one. Um, there's a fourth, like a oh, response uh, response called mm -hmm. fawn mm -hmm. that some researchers are working on now. And honestly, like whenever somebody's adding a new thing in to try and explain what's going on, mm. listen, because we certainly have no idea what is actually going on. It's, yeah, it's complex. <laughs> it's very complex. And what um, I don't know where Fawn fits into polyvagal theory, um, but I do know that that was mine. Like that was my response um, to stress. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. It, it does seem kind of more like a, a like fight and flight as, as well as freeze all seem like kind of automatic processes. Mm -hmm. Fawn seems kind of more like a, a social um, context that is part of your threat response, um, but also dealing with more social cues. So it, it, it almost kind of seems like a, um, a another level. Yeah, I mean, I could see how you could see that. I'm still playing around with trying to understand it myself. Mm. Um, but because it happens without me giving it permission, mm -hmm. um, I have to assume that there is something um, at least autonomic in nature in relation to it. Um, it's a, it's something I, I can't really control. And it's something like, so I uh, present extraordinarily well. If I feel that I am unsafe, I won't let anybody know that I'm unsafe. Um, instead of like, you know, freeze, I will present as healthy, um, which ah. is really um, unfortunate because I'm not healthy. So whenever I go to a doctor or to, you know, or I'm 
being raised by parents or anything else, um, I have a teacher or you know any sort of caregiver or mentor, um, therapist, anything like that. I, it's very, very difficult to let anybody see me break down. Hmm. Um, my family will note significant times in my life, the few times they ever saw me break down um, as kind of like a failing in the system of me being just like- Able to keep it together. all the time. Um, I don't know if I've even ever mentioned this in Exposing Isolation, I may have, but uh, you, Thomas, are the only one that I've ever had breakdowns around. Wow. So that, I mean, even then that just goes to show like wow. the significance of our relationship and everything right. that we've been through um, to, to like earn those healthy attachments um, has been really, uh, really something. Yeah, it's, it's been quite the, quite the journey together, getting, getting into being able to trust each other, even despite how um, hard it is to stay uh, calm when, uh, you know, it, it's easy to trigger each other. And we have, yeah. and we totally have. And we didn't have any idea what we were doing. Um, I don't think either of us, when we, when we met, did you know you had CPTSD? Not a clue. Yeah. So that, I mean, that is just in itself, we've been together for almost eight years, married for just over five. Mm -hmm. And um, we happen to be two people with pretty intense, uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. At the time um, I was still functioning, um, but within two years of us meeting, less than two years of us meeting, um, my body shut down, I guess we could call semi-permanently. Mm -hmm. um, I guess you, you might say that I'm now almost always in a constant state of freeze and almost always in a constant state of um, terror, mm. hence the multiple chemical sensitivities. Yeah, it does. It does kind of seem, you know, for a lot of people who have been through hard shit that um, it, it's important to be able to take a, a break you know, important to be able to relax and maybe even rely on a, a network of support in order mm -hmm. to be able to fully heal. And I think that, you know, for you, it seems like that has finally um, only just begun to um, show up in your life. That's true. Yeah, just um, certain uh, key family member really validating my experience, you really making a lot of progress in your own work towards self-regulation, uh, um, trusting in a couple girlfriends to really hear me out mm. um, and just be really, um, I don't know, vulnerable of like just telling them how I'm feeling um, and then also having a good therapist. Like it's not a huge constellation, um, but it, it, it's more and it feels stronger than me. And maybe where I was putting a lot of my energy in the past, like when I was putting my energy into people that, um, I couldn't actually lean on, but I hoped that I could. Um, that was even more effort. And I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, my body shut down in 2015 when I had so many interns and so many eyes on me and so much um, public pressure and just all these people who I was trying to um, have community with because I thought it would help me feel safer 
Um, but eventually uh, my body got so tired, I guess. I, I'm personally still trying to figure out what this all means. And I think that understanding CPTSD as a physiological um, condition is definitely helping us understand. And even when I was inventing the diet, um, understanding that there's something in the cells about this. Mm -hmm. And if we can uh, repair those systems um, through every helpful and mindful intervention, then that's going to be better. Because like I was saying before, I have multiple chemical sensitivities, which is clearly a very physical um, disability. It's a very physical um, experience. That, that's why the podcast is called Exposing Isolation, because hmm. I've been in isolation. I mean, we usually, we say housebound. Um, maybe I'd, I'd like to say I've, I've been in isolation for six years. Like that may be a more accurate, like I can uh, physically walk. Um, you know, I can like do certain things. Um, the issue is if I get triggered either, um, mentally or physically with fragrances, I can't drive, I, I can't function. I don't really know where I am anymore. Things get real weird. Um, and so what I hope to express is just another perspective on like what can happen, uh, when your body never feels safe. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, like as someone who has spent a long time learning how to articulate what your inner experience is like, mm. do you feel like you can share any insights about kind of what was the, how, why there was the challenge of getting from where you were into even where you are now um, that other people might be going through as well? Well, it can be very difficult when you're still um, in triggering experiences. So for example, um, we still live in my family home. Um, mm -hmm. And even, even though I've been able to um, separate myself from um, the other side of my family and this side of the family, I do feel ultimately safer with. Um, there are still habits and control dramas within this side of the family that can be triggering as well. Hmm. And so one of the um, extra elements of the struggle that I'm going through is I still don't feel particularly safe, if we're being honest, um, between kind of not having our own private space all the time so that we can just like reset and like have complete control of our uh, perimeter and um, also existential threat of certain things that I know way too much about because of my degree in anthropology and social studies. Um, I don't feel safe. And so redefining, and I, my um, therapist Liz has kind of helped me with this of like, because I don't particularly feel safe and I've gone so far down the rabbit hole of chronic illness due to never feeling safe. Um, I have to find new ways to, um, feel safe within the chaos, like finding stillness within the chaos, finding things I can rely on, finding structure, um, you know, being chill with a purpose and like being able to just like really balance out everything all the time. Um, which I honestly think is a lot more relatable to most people. Yeah, they still are in these families. They're still living okay. in these countries. They're still in these little towns. They're still in high school. Like, um, I don't. This might be a little bit off topic, 
Um, but I personally have dealt a lot with um, suicidal ideation mm-hmm. and um, even very recently um, finding myself in that darkness, doing some research into um, ways to commit suicide. And mm-hmm. what was so striking to me, um, finding those Reddit threads, honestly, the fact that that is where you end up when you are in that darkness is fascinating. Um thank God in so many ways. I don't even, I'm not even religious. I, I just don't, I haven't replaced it. I don't know who else to thank. Thank the internet um, for there to be some very kind people in those threads who mm-hmm. have wonderfully compassionate, um, honest things to say to people. Um, but what really struck me was how young everybody in the thread was. Yeah. We're talking 12, 13, 14 years old um, oh. in these threads. And um, even back in, um, you know, some eight years ago when I was doing middle women, that was what I was finding on Tumblr too. Like really a lot of 15, 14, 15, 16 year old, um, usually female identified people, but not always. Um, Also a lot of queer community utilizing um, Mm -hmm. pro anorexic um, controls um, to handle their their trauma. And even just seeing later, um, you know, people looking for ways to um, and their lives and again being super super young and so when I speak of trying to find your way through when you you can't leave you know I just keep seeing a lot of advice of people being like oh you're dating someone who isn't good for you break up with them and it's just <laughs> like where are you gonna move where are you gonna live maybe it's not your girlfriend right. maybe it's your wife and four children maybe it's a mm. parent maybe it's a boss like you know I think that what I have to offer um, through my podcast and, you know, we'll see what else I end up doing um, is showcasing how can you find some wins? How can you take care of yourself? Um, I seem, I I tend to be known a lot for self-care and like burnout recovery. Those are some like keywords that float around me a lot of the time. I can't say I'm particularly good at it, but I try hard and maybe I talk about it a lot. Um, but really finding those moments where you are taking years care of yourself, despite the fact that scary things are going on, you know, way too yeah. many of us do not have a say we can't get out. We can, we, I always say work towards getting yourself to safety. And I've been lucky mm-hmm. enough to, you know, distance myself as, as a few from people who are just not healthy for us. Um, but especially when you're still kind of in it and you're limited, if you're, um, disabled, and you are dependent and, you know, you've been able to set up some sort of arrangement, um, but it's not ideal. You know, I feel for you. Yeah. I feel for you deeply. And so I'm just kind of hoping to be able to create a more complex understanding of how um, all of this is going down for people and how they're making it through and how there aren't mm-hmm. easy answers and it's not hard to get your needs met. And most of us never have any way so we don't even know what it looks like so yeah like 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 you were saying about um, like you were saying about feeling like this this need to feel safe mm. so important and and like you were saying about uh you know let's say you have an identity that's true for you that isn't safe in your community you know if you right. are um, a sexuality that your family isn't comfortable with, then you know it doesn't it or or, or that your um, immediate community isn't comfortable with, 
then it can be even really hard, you know, it can be especially difficult to and dangerous ever yes and dangerous it can because so so in the, in those in these circumstances and it, it's not just with sexuality it can be with a variety of things mm-hmm. and there's a lot of um suppression of um being strange being different and uh you know i'm do, do you feel like that contributed towards your lack of feeling safe was that you were different from anyone in your family or do you think it was it all connected? That's an interesting question. Um, I definitely don't think that anybody ever knew what to do with me. Um, <laughs> I've always been extraordinarily inquisitive. Um, I, at this point in time, don't find myself to be particularly spiritual either. Um, but at some point did receive the prophecy that I'm not even an earthling. Mm-hmm. I'm um, a what did they say? A Palladian like Dalai Lama that came to the earth that I loved this prophecy sure. um, that came here and my was put with my family and they were like, who is this? And I was like, I don't know, but I think I'm supposed to do something important. And they were like, you scare us. And um, I just liked the prophecy, not because I have any stake in it, um, but mostly just because it kind of helped represent uh, how much I never fit in. <laughs> Yeah. Um, how different I am from everyone else, how much yeah. um, it, it was just, it didn't, it didn't work. Um, like I just were, couldn't suppress myself enough. I just couldn't do it. There sorry. you go. Yeah. Like, like you're saying this, this threat, this, this like threat that you are, you know, this threat response that you elicit in the people around you, just trying to exist less, um, just a recipe for uh, self-suppression and then you know that that's that can that can definitely lead to feelings of like well is my life really worth it if I can't be myself if I have to be someone who's not myself I mean definitely and I think that's going to be a lot really relatable to a lot of people um, at this point I don't really know who that is I don't know who myself is um, mm-hmm. also learning that that is a, a hallmark sometimes with people for with CPTSD Mm-hmm. Um, if it happens to them when they're young, they just never develop their self. And if it happens to them when they're older, they can lose themselves. Um, and so pretty much everything I worked for in my whole life um, was leading towards an identity that I no longer ascribe to nor can maintain. Um, so I don't really know who I am or what I'm going to be doing with myself. Um, some days that makes me really nervous and other days I'm, I'm okay with it because um, I tried really, really hard to be um, the activist and organizer that I was, to be the producer um, and event organizer. And I just, I was a lot of different things, a lot of a leader in a lot of different capacities. I did a lot of good um, for a lot of different reasons. Many of them now I understand were blatant cries for help um, that nobody ever heard. And mm. so, I, you know, we've talked about this. My mission is to contribute to humanity's well-being by tending to our collective uh, trauma burden. And I, we seem to think that there are mindful interventions that can be used in order to um, start easing this because the other whole side of this conversation, um, other than my personal um, stressors, is the understanding of our collective trauma and the societal pain 
yeah. and the issues that are going on with all of us and some of our very bold statements of who doesn't have traumatic stress <laughs> in this country <laughs> who, who is safe like yeah right days of, it, it was friday and it's november and it's 2020 google it you know if whenever you're listening to this like it's not a easy time to anything right now to believe Mm -hmm. in anything right now um and as social beings we crave culture we crave systems we crave knowing we crave if we do this this happens and Mm -hmm. november 2020 no i don't know who has that i don't i don't think anybody has if i do this this will happen I, i think any idea that we ever have of like, oh, you go to school and you get a job and you get married and you have your kids and you buy your car and you get your house and it costs this much and then you retire and then there's a pension. Mm -hmm. I don't know when that was still true, but it ain't true anymore. And if it was still true, COVID. Mm -hmm. And so like, I hope that in this show if i may be so bold in the inaugural yeah, please. of this show absolutely i just hope that you and me behind the scenes and maybe me jumping in depending on who you're interviewing because i don't know if i can hold myself back from people <laughs> on your wish list yeah um yeah uh, absolutely we'll you're that. totally we'll get, welcome we'll to that uh, later. Uh, yes uh, <laughs> prepare to be excited to see rebecca again <laughs> But essentially what I'm excited about is everything from these personal stories that we might be able to gain from certain people of their resilience and their survivorship and what they've been through and, and getting answers from other people because we're trying to learn too. Very true. You know, I don't know how much you're going to talk to your audience about yourself, but hey, hey, <laughs> hey you're trying to heal, I'm trying yeah. to heal too. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, you know something great? I know a couple of things. Can we let each other know? Because as far as I can tell, there is very little um, understanding of an effective treatment for CPTSD. Yeah. And whether this is healthy attachment to a community or a designated healthcare professional, whether this mm-hmm. is a diet that rebuilds you at a cellular level after you've gone through trauma for so long. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's like a bunch of other things I've never heard of because probably. Um, including if anybody's been paying attention to what's going on in Oregon, you know, we might head down there. Um, sorry, I'm going to be really specific to do the mushrooms, not to be able to just pay a hundred bucks. for. Um, <laughs> not, I'm not talking about that one. Sure. sure. Um, I'm talking yeah. about the mushrooms, you know, like I'm Meth is much cheaper point, than that. True. But if you get caught with it in sure. Oregon, now Got it's it. not as of, uh, of a deal as it is in other places. We'll see how that yeah, goes. I get your drift though. My point being, I have been miserable my whole life is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I, there has never been a time in my life where I have felt safe. There has never been in a time in my life that I necessarily knew that I was safe yeah. um, or felt that way. And there was a lot of time in my life that I really, really, really wasn't safe. And I'm, I'm trying to honor my experience and talk about it because one of the cornerstones of complex post-traumatic stress disorder is that you deny your own depth of suffering because it's not as bad as other people's, right? Um, which is how they want you to feel. So don't. Yeah. Um, and it's it's tr- it's dramatic. And so we we have that. And I I I think I just did, I did my ninetieth uh, mm. podcast episode this week. Um, and then there's like some ten more that were a bit, that were uh, when I was still 
foolheartedly trying to turn it into a vlog. Um, now it's just a podcast, which is entirely uh, easier to produce. Um, so there's, you know, some hundred episodes going back well into 2018 of me doing my best to try and get through this. And something that I haven't talked too much about yet um, is my, this is a cultural understanding again with um, what we yeah. call program one and the underlying what is this trauma? Why are so many people experiencing trauma on mm -hmm. a regular basis? You know, just kind of going against any sort of explanation that the trauma is natural and the world is just hard and things are really difficult and right yeah you know dog eat dog and there's some people who are going to win and some people are going to lose like no that's it's very artificially designed yeah, does, I'm, I'm over it it does suggest that you know that part of the control drama in keeping the culture and keeping individuals the way you like you were saying like thinking that other people have it worse by having these cases of allowing for these extremes to happen. And so maybe part of healing the collective trauma could be continuing to like, maybe that's why people, people really care. People are really drawn to these extremes where, you know, when we, we have tried to do away with, um, you know, persecution of, of like color, people of color or, um, you know, we, we, we don't like seeing murders and rapes, you know, that they showcase an extreme that makes us, the rest of us feel a little bit less safe. Mm. And so if maybe we can be more mindful about like those, those circumstances and try to understand why they happen and, 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 and mitigate them, maybe it won't be so easy for um, parents to say, you know, finish your food because people are starving somewhere else. Yeah, there's just this overarching idea, you know, that's I argue is benefiting no one, but certain people sure. feel like it's benefiting them and they don't mind how much it's hurting other people. Yeah. Like you're saying, like, you know, we've, instead of there being less murders and being less rape and being more equality among um, opportunity and also, you know, who gets in trouble for what? who doesn't get in trouble for those same things, you know, kind of conversations, instead of making it better, we're just constantly being told to ignore it or that it's mm -hmm. not real or that it's okay. Or I don't know, like anything other than yes, that is a problem. Let's do something about it. Yeah. Or even, or even to make war on it, oh. which just seems like in the end, something that like, just kind of, you know, what, how, how do we, you know, cut cut out the wound <laughs> <laughs> you got an infection cut off the leg yeah there's just a lot yeah, of not taking responsibility um and there's a lot of dismissal and that is what is causing such like wide swaths of people to be experiencing really low level lives because yeah. they can't get out of it and there's others who don't want them to get out of it. And so mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, in conclusion, almost, you know, it's sure. like I have my experience and I will be sharing that. Um, but then I also um, am always playing around with how much do I understand the bigger picture? And in general, um, whether it's personal or social, I, I'm with you. I want to find an effective treatment for CPTSD for us 
and then see who else uh, might be interested in some of that too. And we're going to need to help because we're not going to be able to invent it ourselves. We need to find other people who can help. Very true. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rebecca, for joining me. And thank all of you for listening. I hope that you gained some insights and perhaps are curious for more. Um, I too am excited for what the future has to show us. And I'm excited for um, you too, Rebecca, to participate with me in this journey of discovery. Woohoo! Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, is there, um, and I know you mentioned it a couple of times, but is there um, anywhere the audience can go to listen to your podcast? Oh yeah. So um, the Exposing Isolation podcast is everywhere that I can put it. So I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Um, It's fascinating. If you type in Exposing Isolation in Google, um, since COVID, very different results. I used to be the (laughs) only person talking about isolation. Um, about, about a year ago, if you, if you typed exposing isolation and I would show up and now it's like stay at home orders and how to survive COVID. And so that was really interesting. But yes, if you, you have competition now, <laughs> I do have competition. I am not the SEO queen of the word isolation anymore. Um, but if you, if you find you can find me everywhere and, um, be prepared for me to, uh, have lots of feelings. It's good though. I, I, I think I'm pretty entertaining. All right. Well, thank Thank you you. and uh, have a good rest of your day, everybody.